0: Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room on Jaw 99.7 FM.
1: Welcome to the Euro League's on the Football Daily. In this episode, uh, we're all about big names. So, Jose Mourinho, Cristiano Ronaldo, Robert Lewandowski, Sergio Aguero. Okay, but they don't get any bigger than Julian Laurent. Good evening, Jules.
2: Hi, Steve. Hi, everyone.
1: You've been following Messi around much? I'm just going to bounce up and down. And
2: Messi! No, no, I'm no, not doing yet. it again. Not yet. He hasn't played yet. He hasn't played yet. It won't be this weekend. It won't be tomorrow. Unfortunately, it will probably be next weekend.
1: It doesn't matter if he
2: sneezes; it's news, isn't it? It is. It is. I wrote about his week, the places he went to eat. Which you know, for, for next time you're in Paris with uh, with Mrs. Crossman and the dog, not sure if and the dog a is A suitcase not, full of f- cash. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> still a restaurant, so I'm sure with your wages at the BBC, you should be able to um, to afford a de César. That's wow. where they went.
1: Five minutes into the show and you're already trying to get me fired. Amazing. <laughs> uh, also, we've got Mina Rizuki evening, Mina.
3: I had to do that when Ronaldo came to Turin and I had to find the ice cream that he liked and what would be hosting and, ha- and having his name. <laughs> so the other goat is in my club while Messi is at PSG.
1: Oh, I love that. So this is what happens when the biggest of big <laughs> signings comes to town, Mina. You literally have to find out everything
3: yeah and start visiting places and being like you know have you named your pizza after renato <laughs> it's oh, like no. have you named your croissant after messi <laughs> you know
1: what is messi's favorite flavor of ice cream jules
3: it's a good one i don't know that
2: yet i don't That's think he's had an ice cream in paris yet we've got um very famous um ice cream parlor is that what we say in english That's in uh, on yeah on the Ile de la cité of course right in the center uh, but I don't think I, I believe he hasn't been there otherwise I think I would I, you I would know, know. so I course. don't know yet but I suspect he likes the the pain au chocolat the croissant you know and all the uh, the French pastries
1: I'm delighted to say that we also have with us the Athletics Raphael Honigstein evening Raph
4: hello good evening boys and girl yep.
1: yep that's yep you're <laughs> not at home
4: where are you thank you for that Raph <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not at home no where are you I'm in uh, on holiday
1: <laughs> you're on holiday <laughs> right whereabouts
4: well, yeah how many questions in do we spain, need to ask you before I mean, you say where you are but i made made an exception and come back to work as it were back to the office just for you steve
1: oh Ooh. come on now uh. or is it that or are you in spain because you're trying to close and out of the market <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> no one closes and out of the market it would be a forlorn pursuit
1: Tell me everything you know about Osasuna immediately.
4: (laughs) Well, Steve, uh, Osasuna, uh, very good.
1: That was your GM. (laughs) (laughs) That was just your own voice, but slightly deeper. Anyway, let's start. And let's start with Jose Mourinho, um, who's taking charge of his first Serie A match. As as Roma manager this weekend, with the new season getting underway, he's been busy, Mina. They've spent more this summer since he came in than Inter... AC Milan, Napoli, and Juve.
3: Yeah, they really have. And they're trying... It's really funny because he's a divisive figure wherever he goes. And you'll see some Italians are so excited because, you know, he's back to putting Roma at the forefront, constantly talked about, are they going to be able to do something special? They've spoken of a natural and slow progression. It's not about trophies straight away. And yet, the way that they're handling the market, the, the, you know, the various different interviews um the splashes they've made by bringing in Schmurdoff and of course tammy abraham selling Jecko, getting that salary off their books they are the spoken about team so and they're certainly my my money's on them to make top four i don't think they can do more than that
1: 11 years is a long time in, well, in any context, but particularly RAF in football. And of course, with him going there, the first thing that gets said is, just over a decade since he led Inter Milan to the treble, a lot has changed, not just for him.
4: No, but a lot has changed for him and as far as his reputation is concerned in the UK or in England. The Chelsea second spell, of course, brought some success, but then ended in, in pretty difficult circumstances for everyone concerned. Uh, Man United was not really a successor though he will be quick to remind us about the trophies he won there and then of course tottenham which was probably an unmitigated disaster if you if you're honest about it so it is i think i don't want to say his last chance because i think he has enough connections and enough goodwill in the game to get more opportunities but i think he's coming to the stage where he really needs to show that he is not somebody who lives on on past glories, who's not going to be talking about what he did ten years ago with Inter, but actually does something that people talk about now with Roma. Uh, so it's a it's a big opportunity for him, a big challenge, and you know Roma themselves have not exactly been blessed with success in the last few years either. So it should be really interesting to see what he can do because Inter, let's not forget, and I think this is important for the context, when he took off, took over Inter. Inter spending was sort of on a par with, with Chelsea's. I mean, mm. they spent hundreds of millions to deliver the Champions League that he ultimately delivered. So it wasn't sort of a, a, a quirky underdog story, you know, this lovely right. little club in Milan. Um, <laughs> they, they were spending an absolute fortune. And Roma will not be in a in a similar position to spend their way all the way to the top. So I think he'll have to change his way and he has to do something that didn't work so far. Which is to really take a club and a team without real stars, and make them stars again. It hasn't happened since since Porto.
2: In, in the last since he left uh, Italy and Milan, this Serie A has changed massively. This is yeah. not this is not the old Serie A. This is not the super disciplined, tactically hard hard defenders. This is a very open league, very attacking league. Look at. I mean, just even Atalanta, the way, they, the way they've been playing. But but more than that, you know, Sassuolo and plenty others, Napoli and all of that. And and I just think that if it's the old Mourinho, the one that won in Italy, I'm not sure that in this current Serie A sort of mode, if you want, or philosophy or the changes that have happened in the last 10 years, I'm not sure if if, if he will have the same result at all. So I'm hoping that he can recognise that things, although he's clearly still very much loved, like Mina said, in, in some, some part of Italy... But if he thinks, like, yeah, I can go back to what I did in Inter and this is going to work again, I don't I don't think that's the case. He would also have to evolve a bit because Serie A has evolved massively since he left.
3: I think that you, know, you make some really tremendous points because that there is a complete shift in the way that Serie A plays its football now, the, the kind of football that everyone wants to see, the kind of football that we do see. But I think that he is somewhat lucky that he's arriving this season, perhaps... Um, then when Allegri had his, you know, super Juventus side that was winning everything almost before Ronaldo and that he's avoided Antonio Conte's free-flowing, sort of free-spending inter, shall we say. Um, and he's arrived at a time when... There's been a lot of big sales. Uh, it's kind of a little bit scary at the landscape right now because you sort of look at all these teams and you don't see greatness anywhere. It's a lot of mediocrity. You hope and you think, well, Max Allegri is such a, a wonderful coach that he's going to do something special with this Juventus side. They've gotten in Manuel Locatelli, but Milan are still a team of youngsters with you know Giroud, Latan obviously up top, Kayer at the back as veteran experience, but. You look at this and you think if there's ever a year to make a splash or make your Roma shine, it is when the competition isn't as high, perhaps, I would say, as it has been in previous seasons. So this is the chance to come in because obviously there's Sarri, Lazio, there's, like I said, Allegri at Juventus. But I wonder, because Roma have been a side that have been so beautiful, but they've lacked that winning mentality. They've lacked a little bit of pragmatism at the back when it was really needed to get those important wins, whether it would be at the Derby or in Europe so i think that he can add something a little bit more change them from being a team that was always so aesthetically beautiful watch to watch but one that's just slightly more determined slightly more pragmatic when needs to be and a bit of money there and you can see it all coming together because the ownership is now secure the sporting director has been secured there's not oh are they going to sell is Mon-, you know monchi's gone no one's arrived oh now we have pinto everything's secured now so he's coming in stability he's coming with money and with much less competition to face. And the one
4: thing he will enjoy, I think, is going against the grain. You know, just when Italian football is going a little bit more to and fro, a little bit more open, I think he might actually say, you know what, I'm going to do differently, the way he did it differently in the Premier League. You know, I remember still the time when him and Rafa Benitez were sort of accused of ruining the Premier League as a (laughs) spectacle because they were so (laughs) pragmatic and dour and and, and organised. But, of course, it was very successful because it went against the grain to a certain extent, and it it was different. So maybe he'll see it as a chance to say, you know what, everyone's going one way. I'm going to go the other way. Go back to the, you know, maybe slightly more Italian way, at least as far as the stereotype is concerned. And that, of course, would fit with his own ideas very well. So I think it'd be really fascinating.
1: I don't know if I've um, if I've mentioned this before, Jules, but I, I did interviews Zlatan in uh, in Los Angeles a few ah, years ago. Funny, yeah, I, I think that, only Steve. ten
2: times. I think only Have 10 I mentioned times. That? Yeah, yeah,
1: I think now yeah. that interview was about five years ago.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: I'm still dining out on it, but it, but it's relevant. I'll always, <laughs> I'll find a way to keep it relevant, Mina. But no, the, the reason I mention it is because one of the things I remember him saying is that he particularly loved Italian football because in Italy, the only thing that matters is winning. And you can, as long as you win, it doesn't matter how you play, and none of the other kind of optics matter. But has that changed now? You know, is Jose Mourinho arriving back in a league where you do have to entertain? You can't just win.
3: Italy has been wanting to do this shift for some time and it's something that started at least on a national team level in 2010 when Enrico Saki has come in as sort of a consultant and try to change the youth setup, uh, set up, shake it all up and make sure that this was a country that believed in aesthetics, a country that played the kind of football that entertained people and not just known for being strong defensively and striking when the opportunity comes, whether that be once or twice a game. And you saw that shift when, for example, teams like Juventus were getting rid of somebody who was a serial winner in Max Allegri to bring in Andrea Pirlo and Maur- Maurizio Sarri before him. That didn't work. They thought perhaps it's a personality thing, but they believed in entertaining football. So thought, okay, it didn't work out with Sarri. Let's go with Andrea Pirlo, someone who understands um, the Juventus sort of club and the image and, and what we're trying to do over here. And yet, that's also fallen apart. And it's like, well, let's go back to tried and tested and into something that works, even if it doesn't have to necessarily be also beautiful. I think that, you know, that, you know, Sassuolo produced some great football. There has been a shift, at least on the national team level. Roberto Mancini totally changed the cliche. And yet, I think this season, there's, there's been a little bit of a regression when it comes to that. A lot of the coaches that have been hired, um, like the... the Empoli's decision to go with Aurelio and Andriazzoli after they've been promoted. It's kind of a little bit back to pragmatism. The the newly promoted aren't all that fun to watch. Venezia, perhaps a little bit more than the rest. But even when you look around, you think that, wait, wait a second, you know, Paolo Fonseca played some of the best football. Yes, it didn't always win, but it was really stunning to watch a lot of the time. They've and been This is it. You know, it's a case of, well, you know, let's go for somebody who's a winner. So I wonder whether it's kind of tried and tested. It didn't work out with Juventus. You know, Antonio Conte proved that sometimes defenses mattered. And really his side weren't entertaining to watch until Ericsson became a firm part of that midfield and offered a little bit more inspiration. And so winning is all that matters, even no matter how much they try to shift that. I don't think they're doing enough to make sure that it sticks in Serie A.
1: I wonder what um, what it'll be like for Tammy Abraham Jules in that nine shirt as well. Because you know, you think of Roma, you obviously think of the ten. Of course, you think of the ten as the the number with the mm. with the weight. But that nine, you know, that's the shirt of of Batistuta, and it's the shirt of of Abel Balbo, and all kinds of yeah. legendary forwards.
2: Yeah, and it's it's a it's a big move. It's a huge move financially to start with. It's, it's still a lot of money, and it's a big move because. I was gonna say young English players, but young players, young English players, I've seen. I've gone to Germany. I've gone, to, but but I don't know. It feels like this is a bit different because it's Italy, because because Mourinho is there, because because Roma is a huge club, and I think that like, I don't know, Tammy Abraham going there is either it's gonna be fantastic, and he's gonna be like a like, like a Lukaku type of of move, and the reception, and how much he's gonna be loved. Oh or oh, he will struggle. And I, I, I cannot see anything in between. And and I'm sure he will succeed because I think he's got all the qualities and all the talent. And I think if Mourinho as we've been saying, if Mourinho has really understood what has to change and how he needs to set up that team, I think that some good things can happen for Abraham and for and for Roma this season. But it's, it's a huge move. Um, and, and it's good because he's going out of his comfort zone. Yeah, Chris Smalling would be there. So at least he's not the only English guy in the, in the squad. And I think that will help a lot to have Chris Smalling with you. But yeah, it's a big move. I, I love the fact that he, he, he went for it. He could have maybe, let's say, stay in England and go to an Arsenal or you know, maybe a club like, I don't know, Aston Villa or something like that. But to decide to go to Roma and challenge himself...
1: This is the Euro yeah. League, so I'm always... I'm loath yeah, yeah, to no, take it back think, to the Premier League, but...
2: I'm sure, I'm sure there would have been options for him in England too. But I just love the fact that he's going to this iconic club with huge, fine base, with an amazing history, an amazing yeah. stadium that, like you said, that number nine is, is quite special. Yeah. Of course, the 10 is the 10 at Roma and Totis, but the nine is pretty special as well. And you can just imagine a, a derby. And by the way, the derby comes soon, I think at the end of September. So he will have his derby there in a stadium that is going to go crazy and he will discover far more than London what a city mad for football is because this is what Rome is. Rome is absolutely crazy for the two teams for football and he won't be able to go anywhere without Romanistas or Laziale as well talking to him and saying this and saying that so I think he's going to love it I just hope for him that he works out on the pitch.
1: Raf had a very interesting facial expression there. It was one of two things. It was either he wasn't sure that Tammy Abraham had offers from big clubs in England, or he just had some of that sort of hotel room holiday fizzy water from the minibar. It could have been either.
4: And the fan, and the big fan as well. Yeah, I just wanted to make the point that I, th- I think he was actually quite reluctant to begin with to go to Roma. Mm. I think his preferred option would have been to stay in the Premier League, but of course Chelsea's per- preferred option was not for him to stay and play for a rival team. So I think some persuasion might have been necessary there from on behalf of Roma Andros, and Jose but I agree with the wider point that Jules make. I think Premier League players are famously reluctant to try anything else, but those who do tend to come back. Uh, I don't want to say being enhanced, because that's wrong, but I think having their experiences widened and benefiting from that. So I think he he will come to see that as a good move as well.
1: You know, I think it's really interesting, Mina, is that you, know, you were saying before that kind of if you're going to succeed in serie a the ground is quite fertile at the moment in what other major european league could you talk about the champions losing their manager two of their best players including a star like like romelu lukaku this is the kind of thing that would happen to like you know, may, may no disrespect to the Dutch League, but the winners of the Dutch League might lose their manager to a bigger club or they might lose their captain or their star striker. This is Inter Milan. Like, what sort of shape are they in ahead of this season?
3: I think this is what happens sometimes. I mean, listen, did we ever think that we'd be talking about a Barcelona that's just can't afford to keep Lionel Messi? I mean, this is the world after a pandemic, and you look at the things that happened. sooning were this vibrant company that wanted to invest abroad, that were being told to invest abroad and encouraged and cheerleaded to do so. And so when they bought at the time into thinking, you know, we're going to invest, we're going to make it a huge name, it, there was a lot of fanfare around this and a lot of belief that they were going to be fantastic. And then things sort of started to take a, a turn for the worst when China wanted all the money from Chinese companies to stay in the country. They started to actively discourage investments abroad. The pandemic hit and Suning was especially hit by it. And so all the money that they spent, and by the way, it is a lot of money. We're talking about Allegri had won all of these big things at Juventus, there's been some big coaches. But Antonio Conte was on 13 million euros. It was a lot of money for a coach in Serie A. They were bringing in really expensive players for a club that hadn't done anything for a decade. So it is a question of, you know, we bought in Spalletti, we'd started sort of getting rid of the players that perhaps caused a little bit of a disharmony in the dressing room, the likes of Maro Icardi, and try to sort of find a way to stabilize this, bring in the right investments. And they did a really good job. But, you know, the, the, this is what can happen at times. You lose money. And yes, they've had to find a way of doing that. And that does mean... Losing an ambitious coach who likes a lot of money spent in Antonio Conte and then losing key pieces. I don't think anyone, including Marotta, who is of course the director or Simone Nzage, the new coach, imagined that Lukaku would be one of the sacrifices. But they do need to cut about twenty percent of their salary. There is a big hole and they had to take take on debt and take on um Investments into the team that they didn't really want to paying high interest rates in terms of loans, and this is the situation that it is.
1: Before we uh, before we move away from Italy, this, the, the whole Cristiano Ronaldo situation I find quite difficult because. Well, why are you laughing, Jules?
2: Because. <laughs> I've got my theory about it, and you can call me cynical, of course you can, but is it because we've talked a lot and a lot about Lionel Messi in the last (laughs) couple of weeks, that at some point Cristiano said, Mm. come on, I need to be in the news again, and then he organizes or do all of that, I was like, okay, you on Chiringuito, you're going to say this, then... This is, I'm going to say this, and then he's going to say this. And I, ju- I just love it. It's good. I mean, I don't mind it at all. I mean, if you're Cristiano and, and you want to be also the center of attention, like all those other big players, I've got no problem. But I just find it funny that they almost find something to talk about with Cristiano involved and that long statement that meant nothing and that you didn't, you could read it a hundred times and you're still not sure what he meant. Uh, all those complicated words and all that stuff. Like, okay, what do you want to say in the end? Um, Yeah, I thought it was funny. But yeah, that's just me being cynical. Okay, so this is is worth discussing
1: then. So I'll put it in a bit of context. So basically, the, the reason that I sort of looked at this and rolled my eyes is that Cristiano Ronaldo is linked with Real Madrid. Ronaldo says, I'm not going to Madrid. Carlo Ancelotti says, we were never going to buy Cristiano Ronaldo. And that feels like the end of the story. But as Jules says, Raph, it's the fact that he's sort of posted this massive Instagram statement which kind of makes you think, oh, is he just sort of a little bit upset that he's he's not been centre stage for a bit?
4: Ronaldo trying to be centre stage. I mean, come I on. I know, right? What are you, what are you insinuating? <laughs> it's
1: um, crazy.
4: That's not him. Uh, no. It's I like him. <laughs> him. I mean, look, I think... I think this I think is two... not
3: fair on Ronaldo now.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think there's two, two parts of this. I think one, I think there's been a natural tendency to say, OK, uh, Mbappe is at uh, PSG, Messi's at PSG, when is Cristiano Ronaldo coming? And I think a lot of people in the media were interested to give this as many legs as possible and to push that story because it is the summer. Yes, transfer, transfers happen, but not that many. And it's a story that's super exciting, even if there is not a lot of substance to it. Does he perhaps you know feel left out in the uh, hype and the noise a little bit? Who knows I, I i wouldn't put it past him, but the point is, and I think that the more important point is that neither Real Madrid, as far as I know, or, or no p s g have made any real attempts to to make this happen, so I think he's in a position where it 's a bit a little bit uncomfortable because he's not being used to not being wanted in a way you know it's, it's not a nice thing to say to him well i 'm not going anywhere because they don't really want me he can't he can 't say that so I think that statement was an attempt to to dress up a situation of no real change and to sort of make it into commitment from him to stay, which wasn't really necessary, I think, at this point, but perhaps was necessary because of the endless resuscitation of rumours that he might move, which I don't think had really any real substance to them. The
1: thing is, he doesn't actually mention Juventus at any point, does he, Mean. <laughs>
3: No. I mean, this was the thing. I saw all these headlines before I actually saw what was written on Instagram. So it said, you know, Juventus and all this. And then I read what he said. And I'm thinking, wait, hold on. In your attempt to clarify something, you haven't actually clarified that you're staying with Juventus. But on the topic of him sort of generating the news, I was covering the fact even in March... When Juventus were not sure of even making top four, and there was just all this talk about Pirlo and how Ronaldo would want to stay at a club that just was struggling so much, there was constant talk of Ronaldo leaving. I think the fact is is that last year was all about Messi because you know he wanted to leave, and then you know Ronaldo was settled a little bit. But this year, it all started with could Ronaldo leave because Juventus are actually a hideous team now, to the one that he thought he was joining. And then, obviously, it became all about Messi again because of the finances. But I, I don't think that, you know, he's trying to steal the limelight, if that makes sense. It was Eduard Guerra had come out and it was, you know, it's a journalist who is known to have a friendship with Ronaldo. Mm. He came on Chiringuito and said, you know, I've got like some big news about it. You know, says and talks about Real Madrid wanting him back. Carlo Ancelotti comes on saying, you know, on, on Twitter saying, we're looking to the future, nothing to do with Ronaldo. And then, obviously, this whole thing comes out on Instagram. But here's the thing. Now, Ronaldo's partner, Georgina, has come out in defense of Aguirre, who talked about him going back to Real Madrid. So this further adds a lot of vagueness to this, because you're saying, you know, stop talking at me. No one has even cared to even ask me what I think or what I want. And, you know, I don't want this disrespect, even though it was your really good friend that came out and said all these things. And so you think that he's referring to a specific journalist and then his partner defended that specific journalist. So what is it that he's actually upset about? And where are you going? Are you staying at Juventus? And I, I agree with Raf. Nothing concrete has come in. He seems settled and he has one season there. And he is very expensive. He is older than Messi. And at the time he had chosen Juventus because he wanted to be the guy that made a difference, much like a lot of Mbappe's... Wanting to go to Real Madrid, it's not because he doesn't want to play alongside Messi. It's because he wants to be the main guy. And Ronaldo wanted to be the main guy. And so, unfortunately, he just doesn't have a team that can help him win the things that he wanted to.
1: Just sort of dipped into the transfer market. So let's do a bit more on that. There have been reports today that Robin Lewandowski uh, wants to move away from Bayern Munich. And these reports appear on the same day that Rafael Honigstein wrote a great piece with him in The Athletic. So what did you do to make him want to leave the country, Raph?
4: It's your fault. (laughs) (laughs) After that, he thought, I I can't be doing any more interviews with (laughs) these type of people at Bayern. (laughs) I need to get away as quickly as possible. Um, I I don't know if it's a complete coincidence. I mean, Robert Lewandowski and his people obviously knew that this this article was appearing. We'd conducted the interview about uh, two weeks ago. Mm. Whether um, those reports originated because... You know, there was a bit of a media offensive anyway. I, I don't know, but maybe it wasn't a total coincidence. Uh, it should be said that this is a story that's not new in itself because every couple of years or so since, since uh, Lewandowski signed for Bayern in 2014, we've had those stories. You know, he wants to go to Real Madrid, he wants to go to Real Madrid. He can see himself maybe somewhere else. These stories tend to go hand-in-hand hand with contract uh, renegotiations. I think Bayern are fairly relaxed about this. They understand how Pini Zahavi looks after him and a few other people, how they operate. The one thing that really was categorically wrong in the story, if you will, was the idea that Bayern have a price for him that they've set. And if somebody comes along and pays that price, I think it was 100 million pounds, 100 million euros, then they would be willing to sell. I mean, that was just complete uh, nonsense. There is no price. Bayern wouldn't want to sell. Uh, if you put yourself in Bayern's shoes, you have 100 million euros on the 19th of August. What are you going to do with it? I mean, it's great to have the money, but are you going to find anyone who's anywhere near Robert mm-hmm. Lewandowski's level with two weeks to go on the transfer market? Absolutely impossible. And the fans, I don't know what they would do. I mean, he's not he's not an iconic figure as far as his popularity is concerned, because I don't think the fans have ever got the feeling that he's truly sort of a a buy-in player as such, I think he's much more professional in his attitude, they would probably tear down the stadium simply because they think, how can you sell Robert Lewandowski with two weeks to go on the transfer market? It'd be absolutely insane. So I think this is more a story about what happens next. Maybe try to elicit a reaction, try to elicit a reaction of a club that might come in for him now with a view of maybe making the deal later. These type of deals, as we know, tend to happen with months and months in advance. Messi was maybe the exception. Or to see if Bayern can be pushed into a renewal because his contract runs two more years. He will be 35. I think Bayern at the moment think, you know what, that's probably a good time for things to be over. Um, he will probably believe that he's still got a couple of years left in him, the way he looks after his body, which is really amazing and ultra-professional. But I don't see how there's any world where things happen this summer. I mean, Bayern would be absolutely stupid. And they've made some stupid things in the past, but not that, stu- <laughs> not that stupid. I'm going to be more cynical, Raph. I'm, I feel really cynical even tonight. More, even more cynical. Yeah. Even
2: more cynical. We heard Asan Salihamidzik, who is the, obviously the Bayern sporting director last week, saying, Erling Holland? Yeah, of course. You know, we, we're keeping an eye, of course. He's such a great talent. Is there, is there a sense of... All of this is also happening because maybe Lewandowski has had enough of the the Holland hype to buy on a assom- like to a certain extent because he's the perfect replacement. Really, is the, re- the the already made replacement. You think, okay, in a year time, then they're thinking we sign Holland, then maybe we get rid of of Lewandowski because he would be thirty-four and because then Haaland has that release close kicking in or, or whatever. Do you think there could be a bit of that as well of like the club has been talking about Haaland publicly in Salihamidzic recently. So maybe Lewandowski feeling, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump first here and go ahead with, with my future.
4: Yeah, I think that there might be a part of that as well. But of course the time doesn't really figure out now because, you know, this is a discussion to be had maybe in November, maybe in December, when it comes to what happens for next season. Mm. Because it's clear that this season nothing will happen from Bayern's point of view. If Bayern were to somehow elicit a promise for Mino and Alfie Haaland, the father and advisor, respectively, of Erling Haaland, that uh, come, I don't know, probably April, when the release clause has to be triggered, 75 million euros, Haaland is definitely coming then yes, I think Bayern might be in a position to make some moves now and maybe see, can we find somebody that maybe wants to pick up Lewandowski for next season because you can't really have the two of them in the same team. I mean, maybe you can, but it's unlikely. We're very far away from that situation where Bayern feel any sort of confidence that they can get Haaland because they know that they're going to be, I think, really up against it uh, in terms of the wage demands, in terms of the demands of Mino As far as the commission is concerned, in terms of Haaland's ideas, Bayern would work out in a sense that it would present, if you will, a neutral step. Because after that, your your options are still open. You can then still go to Real Madrid or Barcelona. You can still go to any Premier League club, in theory, of course. Whereas if you make that next big step now, that closes certain doors for you. You will not go to Man United and then go to another Premier League club. It's very unlikely you not go to one of the Spanish clubs and then move across, very unlikely. But I I don't see how, how Bayern can, can really pull that off. I think it's very, very unlikely. And Bayern, I think, and you heard that from Herbert Heiner, the Bayern president, a couple of weeks ago, Bayern would prefer for Robert Lewandowski to be there until the end of his contract, at least, and then be in a position to make another decision because I don't think there's any real optimism that they can get Haaland for next season
3: isn't this sort of the question of the summer sort of you know why should Chelsea or Manchester City go for Kane for example or Chelsea go for Lukaku if Haaland's going to be on the market it seems like everyone's sort of you know waiting on what this youngster is going to say in the meantime all these other big players you know whether it's Ronaldo looking for a a different move or Lewandowski who's going to go for all of them and is anyone going to pay the wages that these guys still want to receive
4: Well, I think Chelsea gave you the answer. I mean, Chelsea were not prepared to wait for Mm. what was very uncertain. They might not even get a yes. And then what do you do? They needed a striker now. Thomas Tuchel wanted that type of player. That type of player was not in the squad. Lukaku was available. Chelsea were one of the few clubs that had enough money to pull that kind of deal off. So they went for it. Um, I think the one club, if you will, who's been a little bit more strategic in that respect, if you want... Are men United because they have renewed the deal with Cavani for one more year. And both in terms of the availability in the squad, if you will, and the positional need, it would be the perfect timing then to get somebody else in next summer in Erling Haaland. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the fact that it has worked out that way necessarily means that United are absolutely 100% sure that they can get them One thing we should say is. And this we know from the first time that Harling moved from Salzburg to Dortmund. A lot of the clubs, and Mina, you remember this from Juventus' perspective, um, a little bit of an insight how Mino Rijla works. Many clubs were absolutely concerned that they've got him. Mm. Juventus mm. were saying, we really, we really got him. United were saying, yes, it's a Norwegian connection. He wants to play for Ole. We've got him. And Dortmund was saying, yeah, we think we got him. So, uh, you know, and, and even Bayern, I think, had a, uh, came very close so whatever happens now I think you have to take with a huge pinch of salt because the the deck will be reshuffled when it gets closer to the to the moment of truth.
3: When we when it comes to this market of let's say older strikers, you know, is there one for them anymore? Is there hopes of sort of going to I don't know, a big club now when all of them would like an Mbappe, they want Haaland. No one really wants Ronaldo necessarily. I mean, Ronaldo is still Ronaldo, but he is getting on, right? I mean, is Lewandowski and Harry Kane, let's say in another 2 years going to be it's almost like it's getting shorter the shelf life because the players are getting so good younger and younger. And so I wonder whether the market's going to change now. And PSG is paying such extreme wages to all these to these players that who can really it's that match old, that? Yeah.
4: I think you have to differentiate, though. I think That's what I'm saying. It is their fault. There's a, <laughs> yeah, but there's a, there's hey, a different yeah. market for Ronaldo and for Lewandowski and for Messi. Mm. And there's another market for Mbappe and Haaland who are not even close to their peak and who mm. will give you 10 years of excellence. Mm. And there will always be huge... A huge push to get those players. Whereas Lewandowski, if he now wants to new, have a new challenge, and let's say Bayern say tomorrow, find Lewandowski. We don't need you anymore. We have Eric Maxim choupo leading the line. Yeah. We don't need you.
3: Even
4: there's then, there's always
2: Barcelona. There's always Barcelona to get your 34-year-old on 250 a week. No problem. You know, <laughs> I'm yeah, they're always they're, there. You can always yeah. rely on them.
3: There's also yeah. Milan you might, when you hit 38. <laughs> you might
4: not be able to. The problem is you might not be able to register. You can sign yes. for them, but you're not be able to play for them. <laughs> you um, can train with them. So least, yeah. I think we have to, Mina, to answer your question. I think it really is, is less a question of the position, but more a question of what is the player and his potential. You will have, you know, people queuing up if Mbappe becomes available. You have people already queuing up for Haaland. with Lewandowski and Messi and uh, and Cristiano in 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 theory. They have very few places to go. Mm. Very few places to go because they're already at such a level that it's it's very difficult.
1: While we're talk- while we're talking about aging strikers, Jules, because I think this is important because like we only do transfer stories if there's something in them because otherwise what's the point of like a big build up and then one of you just say no this isn't happening. <laughs> so a to Barcelona and Coutinho the other way. Can we knock that down?
2: Yeah, that's a no and a no and another no. Yeah. No. Is Coutinho no.
3: coming to Serie? A. That's what we hearing
2: i think coutinho well, would go anywhere i think he would be you know he would he would drive himself anywhere to be fair
1: did you not see <laughs> well, anyway. the, the stuff on i mean i appreciate this was on twitter but at the mere there was a suggestion that coutinho could get the number 10 and barcelona fans were absolutely mad about it <laughs> if you could feel worse about yourself if you were Philippe Coutinho, then that's the way to do it i think
2: it's, it's a strange one though because he's clearly very very talented and yet, that move oh. was so wrong on so many levels. The injuries, of course, didn't help. The fact that he's also a player who needs to get the ball a lot. And if you go into Messi's team, you're not going to see the ball a lot because the ball goes to Messi first. And it's it's quite sad in a way because who knows where he would be now had he stayed or if he'd gone somewhere else for less money maybe or something. And I just... Yeah, and now his agent, Kia Joroption, who is a very good agent, one of the best with the other big ones... Can't even find him at a, a club. No that clear, no one wants him. And it's just like, it's really sad to so have got to this point, I think.
1: Let's bring in a Spanish football expert. Delighted to say, Eduardo Alvarez has joined us on the EuroLeagues. Evening, Eduardo. Hey, Steve, how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, Listen, well, let, let's, let's sort of just on this number 10 at Barcelona, because the, the suggestion that anybody would take it seems a bit laughable.
0: Are they just going to leave it empty for a, <laughs> at least a while? I wouldn't be surprised this was a a conversation in the dressing room for the last week or so. And Felipe Coutinho was not received uh, with, uh, with uh, too much enthusiasm from, from the Barcelona fans. And uh, even Aguero rejected the number. Uh, He was offered uh, the number 10 by Pique. Pique asked him if if he was interested in, in wearing number 10. And Aguero said that uh, it was too much weight on the, on the shirt and that he'd rather play with uh, 19. In fact, which Adds up to ten, but it's not uh, Messi's shirt, so he's gonna wear number 19 whenever he manages to get registered. That that's another another issue. It is a possibility that number 10 remains uh, a question whether Barcelona wants w- want to retire the number. That's also mm. being discussed, but uh, no one's done that in, in in Spain for any other player, for other, other legends. So uh, it seems like uh, it's not gonna be easy to 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 do that.
1: Mina, I'd I'd like to think that you know Aguero could have the plus sign in between the one and the nine, like Ivan Zamorano back in the day at Inter Milan. <laughs> yes, I'd like nice. to see a return to that, yeah.
3: Or well, the sharpie <laughs> that Pogba used when he was at Juventus, and you know there was so much pressure on him to take certain jerseys, and so he would just put different numbers on to make it to make all the pressure go away.
1: <laughs> I'd would would rather the plus sign. Um, so,
3: <laughs> so so with Aguero
1: then, because again there have been some reports that he's already a bit fed up and obviously he won't have been happy to see Messi leave, but there's been some talk that he might already been thinking about Eduardo, whether he might want to go off and play in America come January.
0: Well, the move was 100% motivated. The move to Barcelona was motivated because he wanted to play with Messi, who's uh, one of his closest friends. And uh, the fact that Messi left uh, just right before the, the beginning of the season... And that Barcelona haven't been able to free enough salaries or do enough selling transactions to get him registered was not the best was not exactly the, the beginning of the Barcelona spell that I that were expected. And he picked up another injury and that meant that Barcelona used all the free cap space to register Memphis DePay and Eric Garcia and left Aguero out because he's injured and uh, he will probably return in October. Uh, uh, one cannot blame uh, Aguero if he's considering and waiting his options because uh, the fact is that the beginning of of this uh, phase in Barcelona has just been terrible. That's the
1: thing, Jules, isn't it? We talk so much about the price of keeping Messi that the biggest price of all is is the knock-on effect of losing him.
2: Yeah, and I mean, if you a grower, we talked about Coutinho and and how sad the situation is I mean it's quite sad for, for Aguero I, I mean Aguero was there in, in the last supper the last dinner that Messi had well, it was not actually the last one but what we thought was the last one on that Sunday night wasn't it Edu in his house when he had all the close friends and and Ebi as well the YouTuber and and everybody came and you know, and Aguero was there and you can just imagine <laughs> Aguero was facing hey mate I came, I came here you know I came here for you we, we're family you're the godfather of my son etc etc and then and Louis said well you can always come for a weekend in Paris if you fancy it <laughs> so it's just like it's sad and then the injury and the fact that he hasn't, hasn't been registered and also I do the fact that Barca have played well without Aguero you know they won against Real Sociedad playing well Memphis in that sort of force number nine but still a number nine in the center as a center forward played well so even if Aguero was fit where would he fit in that team I'm not really sure where he would fit So it's, especially when Brace, it's, brace yeah. is playing
3: like that as well <laughs> I mean can I, I know that he's always been but he was fantastic good yeah. over the weekend and i know it's I always know, but i can't considered... believe
2: you put breath and Agüero in the same I'm sentence i'm not though.
3: even i'm not even <laughs> trying to i mean i did actually try to make a joke with that but i also wanted to say like you know he had a nice uh, he had a nice kidding. weekend
1: Ma- martin Braithwaite could actually be a new addition to the tony pulis joke because the tony pulis thing's always about <laughs> serge nabry isn't it but we could add that yeah. he couldn't get in the middlesbrough team under tony pulis to that yeah, too
2: that's very true and yeah. then he's got qualities. Me, I was only kidding you. Of course, sorry, I do. You, you go, but yeah, my point was just even if Agüero was fit, that team for that first game and there's so much pressure because it was the first game, La Liga game of the the post Messi era, which was huge. They played so well that I'm not really sure exactly where Agüero and especially what kind of Agüero we would see and how he would fit there.
0: Yeah, uh, his role was uh, from the beginning. I don't think he was going to lead the line. Uh, he was uh, the the all we saw and and heard about Aguero coming to Barcelona was uh, related to playing a last one or two seasons more, uh, having a, a a role off the bench. But he was never thought of as as Suarez substitute. For instance, he was no one expected Aguero to score 30, 35 goals a season. Yeah, the fact that he was his role was uh, initially designed as a as a second uh, second option doesn't really help his chances to stay in Barcelona. Uh, after all that's happened in the recent uh, in the recent couple of weeks, and and of course, as you mentioned, the the fact that the pay started very well, and that Braithwaite seems to have picked up uh, some speed during the summer with uh, with the Euro. Uh, So, again, one cannot blame Aguero if he's considering other options uh, before the season starts for him.
1: Big thank you to Jules and to Rafa, Mina and Eduardo. Thanks for listening to The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. The podcast will be available online at myjoyonline.com in 30 minutes. This production was powered by Joy Sports and supported by the BBC World Service.